Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In your life, you expect wherever you live to be a place of safety and comfort. But unfortunately for the two victims in this case, they were living with someone that they thought they knew, but they could never predict what would happen in his head and what would lead to the most tragic and horrific circumstances. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. This show is made from various source documents listed in the show notes. I use news archives, documentary footage and court documents and so the episodes are accurate to the source materials I can find. Find all the episodes that are on YouTube as a podcast version in the show notes below. Andrea had become obsessed with Satanism and spells. He believed his friends, who were a couple in a relationship and were staying in one of the downstairs flats, had been cursing him. She, he believed, was a satanic person and placing spells upon him and the two of them had made him impotent. They had ruined his life. Their voices and that of his friend's dad had, in his head, told him to kill them and to burn the bodies. Andrea was depressed. He was taking supplements and natural remedies to try and clear his head, but he wasn't actually taking any prescribed medication and he was unable to do anything but listen to these voices in his head. On the 17th of December 2022, Andrea spent the day searching the internet for nearby knife shops for dynamite and flammable material, as well as googling how to make bombs. And on top of this, he also researched suicide methods. Now, at one point, he'd asked his mum to send him £350, and as soon as it arrived, he ordered methanol, a balaclava, and a can, all from the internet. And then he typed into his phone notes plans for an explosion involving methanol and diesel and a firecracker in the oven. On the 18th of December, Andrea heard that his dad was coming over from his home country of Italy to see him, and he said to himself, quote, he's got to die. Now, during this time, Andreas's uncle, who he was close to, sent him a good morning message, but Andrea didn't reply. Instead, he was online searching, remove the evil eye. And then the sledgehammer delivery arrived at his door and he realised he was all set. Andrea had come to the UK with his friend Antonio, or Nino as he was known, and that's what I'll be calling him throughout the episode. And they had come over from Italy in 2019. Nino worked at Grosvenor Casino in Stockton in the northeast of England. And he was 26 years old. He was well known in his hometown and beyond. And he was described by locals as a really cheerful, helpful, hard worker. He was incredibly close to both his mum and his dad. And he worked hard. He first worked as a waiter in a pizzeria while he graduated. And when he got excellent results in his qualifications, 
he then spoke to some of his friends who had moved to London and had had a really good experience. And so he decided to do the same. And as soon as he moved to the UK, he immediately found work. However, being in England meant that unfortunately he was separated from his fiancée, 20 year old Francesca Di Dio, who was from Sicily. They'd become engaged in 2019 and they excitedly posted that news on their social media. They looked like the perfect couple and by all accounts their friends would say that they were very much in love. Now Nino, when he'd moved to the UK, he eventually ended up living in a ground floor flat in an old pub that had been converted and Andrea rented a room upstairs. And the two knew each other really well. They'd trained to become croupiers together in Italy before eventually being recruited to work at the casino in Stockton. Nino had done incredibly well. He'd worked there and was considered a valuable member of staff. But Andrea left quite quickly to work up in Aberdeen and he was eventually sacked from that job for the kind of cold behaviour that he was exhibiting and the fact that he believed all of his colleagues were talking about him. And because of this, he ended up moving back to Italy and his mum expressed her concerns about his mental health and said that she wanted him to stay there and was worried that if he moved back to the UK, his mental health might decline. Even so, Nino's an adult at this point, he can do what he wants. And so he did decide to move back to the UK and in fact, went back to Stockton and lived in that exact same flat with Nino. Later on that same year, around Christmas time, Nino asked his fiancée Francesca to spend the holiday period with him in Stockton and she had agreed she was missing him and so she'd flown over to the UK so that they could spend that time together and she was staying in the flats with him which by this point were largely empty. Most of the tenants had left for the holiday period to go and visit family or friends and then on the 21st of December Andrea was at the flats and he couldn't sleep. He was awake, his phone records would later show, at 2.30 a.m. researching how to break voodoo spells. And alongside this, he was actually writing his will. Eventually, he was still awake in the early hours of the morning when Nino arrived home from the casino from where he was working in a cab, in a taxi. It was a couple of minutes later that that taxi driver came back and knocked on the door and said that Nino had forgotten his phone, so he returned the phone. There is some CCTV footage from the communal sort of corridor hallway from that house. And it initially shows Francesca waiting up for her fiancé. And when he gets in, the couple go back into the room and they go to sleep. And then at 5.30am, Andrea was still awake. And he heard that taxi driver return the phone and he heard Nino go back up to his room and close the door. Now, once Nino was in that room, he and Francesca would have fallen back to sleep as we find out later. But Andrea wasn't asleep. And as the house became silent and still again, he stood up in his room. He put on a balaclava He then walked over to the kitchen table where he had left a knife lying on the side. He put that knife into his pocket and then he picked up the sledgehammer that had been delivered just a few days before that. And after that, he opened up the door of his room, walked quietly down the stairs, taking care not to make any kind of a noise 
not to draw any attention to himself. And then when he got to the bottom of the stairs, he just stood and faced Nino's door and he hesitated before finally reaching out, turning the, the door and opening it. And the door wasn't locked and so it opened very easily. And that's when Andrea went inside. As he got inside the room, the two of them were asleep in bed and he lifted up the sledgehammer until it was over his shoulder and then brought it down onto Nino's head. He did this and this woke Francesca up and she looked up at him and then again Andrea brought the sledgehammer back down onto Nino's head for a second time. Now of course Nino just lay there motionless and that's when Andrea reached into his pocket and pulled out that kitchen knife and began stabbing Nino's limp body in the ribs. Now Francesca had seen this happen and she fled literally running up the stairs for her life. Upstairs was the only place that she could go that was away from Andrea and Andrea chillingly just calmly follows her up the stairs. Now she, she couldn't go any further and Andrea is seen on that CCTV footage getting to the top of the stairs grabbing her and then dragging her down to the basement before going back, getting the sledgehammer and then returning again to the basement. Francesca just couldn't escape and that's when Andrea reached into his pocket and took that kitchen knife out again. Now Francesca of course tried to defend herself but Andrea frantically stabbed her body and neck and when she was disabled he brought that sledgehammer down onto her head again and again and again until she too lay motionless. When Andrea had finished this attack, he went back to his room and he changed out of his blood-soaked clothes into shorts and a t-shirt. And then he used his phone to search for porn and then for taxi details. And he did this until 11am when he eventually called a taxi. Now, when it arrived at the flats, he asked the driver to take him to a nearby petrol station where he brought diesel and a lighter and then he returned back to the flats. And once he was there, he soaked some rags in diesel and he scattered them about the place, including on Nino's dead body. Andrea planned to die with Francesca and Nino in that fire that he was about to set. But for some reason... He didn't set those rags alight and instead he left the flat and went for a walk around Stockton. Now it was approaching about 2pm that day when Cleveland police received a call from Interpol and they received information from Italian police informing them that Nino and Francesca had been killed and it said exactly the location of their bodies and importantly who was responsible for it. Now, any information from Interpol would be taken very seriously by a local police service. So cars were quickly dispatched to that location, to the flats, where officers discovered this horrific scene of devastation and the mutilated bodies of Nino and Francesca. And it was at 2.35pm that same day, so within 30 minutes of that first call from Interpol, that Cleveland police had located Andrea in Stockton, in a different street, and they arrested him. And as he was arrested, Andrea told the police that he was not in a fit state. He had taken paracetamol and it was actually an amount to an overdose. And so he was taken to the local hospital and it, he was managed to be revived and be saved. 
Now, the Italian police had known the details of the deaths, the location of where it happened and the perpetrator before anyone in the UK even knew that this had happened. And this was all because Andrea's family in Italy had been so worried about him. Back on the 2nd of December, Andrea's mum had contacted uh, Andrea's dad and expressed concern over the health of their son. She knew that he was not well. And then Andrea's dad made contact with his son, but Andrea told him that someone had put the evil eye on him and that he was hearing voices. So this did nothing to sort of calm those concerns and if anything he became more worried and this led to his mum actually contacting Nino on the 15th of December and telling him that she was concerned her son was ill and in this conversation she did mention schizophrenia now she asked Nino to tell her son to come home for Christmas be with the family and just get on the flight that she had booked him Nino responded that he would do what he could And he texted Andrea soon after that chat, suggesting a walk or a trip to the pub, but the text went unanswered. Andreas' dad decided that he he really felt like he needed to see his son and check how he was. And so he flew to the UK on the 18th of December. He booked himself into a hotel near to the flats, and then he visited those flats to see his son. Now, the next day, they went out for a meal, and afterwards... Andreas had returned to the flats and his dad had returned to his hotel, telling Andrea that he would call him again tomorrow. Now, when he arrived at the flats tomorrow at midday, he couldn't get an answer from Andrea. And so he went into the flats via that communal entrance. And that is when he had discovered the horrific scene. Now, as as the dad didn't speak any English, he was unsure how to contact the British police. And so that's why he'd called the Italian police and they had then contacted Interpol and given him or given them all of those details that were then passed on to Cleveland police. With the detectives at the scene of the killings, senior investigating officer, Detective Chief Inspector Peter Carr issued a statement saying, quote, A man and woman have sadly died and a man remains in police custody in connection with the incident. The police investigation started with Andrea in custody. Crime officers spent time searching the flats and gathering the forensic evidence and they questioned Andrea. Andrea was just 21 years old and he had never been in trouble with the police. And when they looked at his medical records, they saw that he had sought treatment for depression, but he hadn't attended the follow-up appointment. Now, at the time of the killings, He had not been diagnosed with schizophrenia or any kind of medical condition like that. They looked back into what his life was like and they discovered that in the flats he would spend pretty much all day on his PlayStation and he wouldn't contribute to the chores around the house such as cleaning the communal areas and he was often late with his rent. Andrea said to police that he had been full of, in his words, poison when he killed them. The case was concluded pretty rapidly It appeared quite straightforward what had happened in the flats that night and who was responsible. And Andrea was brought to trial quite quickly. At his trial, Andrea didn't deny the killings. An Italian interpreter told him he was accused of the double murder. But when asked how he pleaded, he replied not guilty to murder, but guilty to manslaughter by reason of diminished responsibility. A plea that was ultimately accepted by the Crown. The judge said that he wholly agreed with the Crown's decision to accept the plea. 
quote, on the relatively clear psychiatric evidence and he was remanded in custody. At the hearing, the court heard that Nino had suffered from two blows to the head, had several fractures to his skull and bleeding to the brain. The scale of the damage suggested he would have survived no longer than half an hour at the most. Andrea also stabbed him in the side of his body, damaging his ribs. Francesca suffered multiple blunt blows to her face, consistent with the use of a sledgehammer, and her injuries caused bleeding and a lack of oxygen to the brain, and they would have rendered her unconscious pretty immediately. Concerning Andrea's mental state, the court heard that Andrea's unrecognised psychosis was so acute that his culpability for the killings is minimal. The judge said he had read three reports made by psychiatrists, and this was both for the prosecution and for the defence's side as well, and that they were unanimous in their view that Andreas was suffering from an acute episode of paranoid schizophrenia. Summing up, the judge said, quote, for some time prior to the killing, you had clearly been suffering from paranoid schizophrenia, which represented itself in an acute and graphic way in the early hours of that day. It was truly awful, unimaginable, and the consequences to the families of Antonio and Francesca have been utterly devastating. I'm acutely conscious that nothing I say or action which I take today can soften or lessen the intense and acute pain of loss which they must feel and will stay with them for the rest of their lives. I can only say that they had the deep and heartfelt sympathy of this court for everything that they have been through and will have to continue to live with. It can only be hoped that there will be some small degree of understanding on their part that at the time you did what you did, you were suffering from an undiagnosed mental illness which led you to act in the way that you did. For those that don't suffer such an illness, it's hard to contemplate if not impossible to understand how such an illness can lead someone to act in such an irrational, unpredictable and violent way. Nino's dad said, quote, For parents, a child is an extension of life. For a sister, a shoulder to lean on and a person to ask for help. But unfortunately, this has been denied us. Not having Nino with us anymore, after having cuddled, helped and supported him for 26 years, is not easy to overcome. But with a lot of willpower and with the help of our Lord, we have to face the future as serenely as possible. My wife and I have returned to work, but I am struggling because our daily routine often takes us back to the time when we still had our boy. The evenings are very trying because that was when Nino would video call us and often now we go to sleep for many hours the good times we had with our son flashing before us. Thank you for watching this episode of Red Rum. I hope you have the happiest Christmas if you celebrate it. And if I don't see you before, have a wicked new year too. Thank you so much for being here with me for the last week, month or year, year and a half if you've been here since the beginning. However long you've been watching Red Rum, thank you for sticking with us. Hey guys, just a really quick one from me. I have a buy me a coffee donation link in the description box down below. If you have a few spare pennies this Christmas and want to support this channel to grow, please do consider clicking that link. There is no pressure. You will get the same content the same way. You might just get it a little bit later if you're not a YouTube member, um, but it's never more than about a week. So you're really not missing out. It's just if you can spare the cash. Also, if you can't and you still want to support, please consider sharing the channel with your friends, true crime friends especially, if you're part of any Facebook groups or Reddit forums or anything like that. 
Um, I see when people share it and I'm so, so grateful. Thank you so much. If you've ever told anyone about this channel, I cannot tell you how grateful I am. Um, other than that, I will see you in 2024 for the next episode of Red Rum. Bye.